Hey, welcome back to the Picket Fence Podcast. Uh, we're really excited about this edition of our podcast today because we are absolutely in full swing with basketball season. NBA is in the heat of it right now. College basketball kicked off. We had our first week of high school basketball practice. Uh, there's almost too much to talk about with basketball now. We had the opposite problem sometimes in the summer, and now there's almost uh, – we, we could talk for days on end about all the things going on. Derek, how are you feeling about basketball season getting kicked off fully now? Hey, I'm glad it's the time of the year that it is because with the sun going down at like 430, I've at least got a reason to come home and stay up and, and something to do on TV and watch, and I can at least be entertained. And It gets you through the winter, and you know with high school ball and you guys getting rolling and uh, – College has officially started. The NBA is a couple of weeks in now, so we're into that part of the year that I really enjoy. And um, I know a lot of people complain about the weather, but it, it certainly makes it a little bit more bearable. And we've got basketball on TV, and we've got stuff to talk about. And um, your Friday and Saturday nights are occupied for the next several months. So this is yeah. the time of year, time of the year that's awesome to me, and I know it's awesome to you. So uh, I can't wait to have the conversations we're going to have and. Uh, be able to talk about your season, but also the other seasons we've got going on around us. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny you talk about having Fridays and Saturdays. We've got our youth basketball stuff going, so it's Sundays now too and everything during the week. So basketball is just every day, all day pretty much for us. And it's kind of hard, you know, with it being during school because there's great West Coast games Yeah, all the time. And I stay up and watch, you know, last night was Denver and Golden State playing a really good basketball game. And I know I'm going to feel it in the morning, but I, you know, I'm going to regret it if I miss something special right. going on. So, uh, when they got San Antonio on and they got that freakazoid they've got there with the Spurs, <laughs> it was amazing. I'm going to stay up for West Coast games. But yeah, weather might, you know, be getting worse here soon, but there's a good reason to stay inside. Um, I don't know. Uh, is there what's uh, who have you been watching? I know we're going to talk a lot about teams we like and stuff coming up, but uh, who have you been watching or paying attention to uh, at all levels just as the season's been kicked off? Well, I'm excited for the high school season. Obviously, it doesn't start for a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm excited for the our area of basketball this season. I think is going to be um, something that people are going to want to pay attention to. I think you're going to see some gyms that are going to be packed this winter um, across the Mid Southern Conference, across the Hoosier Hills Conference, and Right now, just trying to figure out college basketball-wise who's entertaining to watch, who's got a good squad, who doesn't. Um, and NBA, I think it's been as, as fun to out of the gate um, as probably we've seen in a while with certain teams that you and I talked about maybe uh, expecting them to underachieve that have overachieved and some teams that you and I talked about that we thought were going to be some sleepers in terms of being a contender that have gotten out of the gate pretty slow. Um, yes. But I'm like you. I like to watch Denver. Still like to watch Golden State. Um, being from Indiana, the Pacers have been a lot of fun to watch so far this season. Uh, shoot, even the Sixers and the Mavs are teams that I'm kind of starting to really pay attention to. Uh, and we'll talk about the Sixers later and some of that stuff that they that has happened in the last several days with their team and the adjustments that they've made and some of the moves that they've that they've made too. But um, now I watched the Hoosiers play the other night. Uh, obviously I'll pay very close attention to the Big Ten this season, and I think it, it, ha it has a chance to shape up as one of the better Big Ten seasons, I think. is You know, you look at Purdue and Michigan State probably as the perennial favorites in that conference this year, 
But I think you're looking at, at teams like Illinois, Indiana, and even I don't you can you can't ever rule out a Wisconsin team in that no. conference. I think Michigan's going to be very competitive there without Jawan Howard right now as he had surgery. But you know they're a team that is always uber athletic. They can shoot the ball and they get up and down the floor. They play with pace. So the Big Ten conference is going to be fun. The high school basketball around our area is going to be fun, and right now the NBA is fun to watch. So I'm I'm paying attention to a little bit of everything. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the NBA, I, I texted my brother the other day and said this, and I was like, you can watch any game, and it is wildly entertaining. There are bad teams in terms of record. There is not a bad game on television. The bad teams in this NBA have two or three players that are wildly entertaining and good. Um uh, I've been to a couple games too. Um, I went to Pacers, which we'll get into a little bit later too. But I went to a Pacers Cavaliers game on Friday last week, which was the first in-season tournament game in history. Uh, it was the first, like, on the record book. It was the first one to finish. So I can say I'm, a, you know, a part of that history there. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Uh huh. Relatively historical game, I guess. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, anybody did anything that's. Super memorable, but it was exciting. <laughs> um, I went to a college exhibition. I watched Bellarmine uh, have an exhibition game against uh, Transylvania, which was a really fun game. Getting to see a lot of guys that played Indiana basketball play there at Bellarmine was fun. Uh, Transylvania uh, had a point guard named Dakota Caps who played at Clarksville High School, okay. uh, who I coached against. And seeing him <laughs> out there was really fun, and he did a fantastic job. Um, so, you know, Awesome to see guys like, oh, hey, like two kids. There's a kid at Bellarmine, Langdon Hatton, who played at North Harrison, and then a kid from uh, Clarksville. You know, to have kids that you played against, um, or not played against, but coached against, you yeah. know, and see them out there at the next level is, is you know, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's cool to watch that. So um, those have been fun. I, I'm glad that I've got to go watch those. And I've been paying attention to as much NBA basketball as possible. And we are, you know, into the swing of things here with high school basketball. I mean, the Court and Central Panthers are – on day four of practice and you know we've been really getting after it this week and you know a lot of conditioning and things like that but um getting our offense in you know fine-tuning our defensive fundamentals uh you know we're gonna scrimmage next week i mean there's there's no waiting around here so basketball season's in the full swing and there's a lot going on and you know there's almost too much to follow that's good <laughs> really there is um you know, before we get into our four quarters and uh, uh, end our shoot around and warm up here, uh, we're on a kind of excited note, but we kind of want to talk uh, a little bit more of a somber note here. Uh, being an Indiana basketball podcast here on the Pick Offense podcast, we are, um, you know, really saddened with uh, the news of the loss of Coach Knight um, last week. Uh, you know, I, we were in our youth camp when we got that news. And uh, the coaching staff was kind of distracted. I mean, you know, you don't know this guy personally, but he impacts everything about Indiana basketball for a long time. And so hearing that, it was kind of like a little bit of a distraction. Like, oh, wow, that's that's big-time news. Um, so I kind of like to talk a little bit about Coach Knight here for a minute while we're in our, you know, shoot-around. But, Derek, I'll kind of kick it to you. Right? You're as big as Indiana fan, uh, <laughs> as I know. Um, what are your thoughts on Coach Knight? What, how do you feel about him? What did you learn from him? Uh, what is how has he impacted you as a coach or as a fan? Everything, man. I kind of like that point you made there. Talking, uh, you know, you don't know him, no. but it's kind of one of those celebrity type deals that 
you know, even though you don't know the person on a personal level, but it's one of those deals that when they, when you find out that someone like that has passed, it does impact you a little bit because on a certain level, you feel like you kind of know them just simply because they've been around for so long and have had such an impact on such a large scale. And I think it's hard to quantify the type of impact that a guy like Coach Knight has had on the game of basketball. I think it's, um, it's easy to use a lot of superlatives and, and say cliche things. Um, but to me, he's the, he's the best basketball coach that has walked a sideline. And I know that probably sounds like a little bit of a homer take, but um, to me, he's the best coach that's walked the sideline simply because the way in which he went about winning and the way he conducted his program, he didn't need boosters. He didn't need shoe companies. He didn't need, uh, you know, people coming in on the side to attract players and things like that. He did it all. He did everything the right way. He did it all by the book. He followed the rules. And the players that he got were guys that came in and he got the absolute best out of. And I think that that's hard to deny. When you look at, um, I think it's he coached one NBA All-Star in his time at Indiana. His name was Isaiah Thomas. Um, And so to win... To win three national titles, to go undefeated, um, to win or to lose one game in two seasons, and to make the type of runs that they made during his tenure there at Indiana, I think it speaks volumes about him and the way he ran his program and his systems and the way he coached. Uh, I think, obviously, if you watch the clips and go back and watch old games, and the nice thing was, you know, they had a bunch of that stuff on you know, after he passed for, you know, a a span of time there on the Big Ten Network, and they just played hard. They were tough-nosed teams. They played hard. They ran their motion offense, and they played the game the right way. And I think the impact he had across Indiana basketball, I don't think you can – I don't think you can put a a number to it or um, really put words to the impact overall. I think at some point, probably as he was in his heyday in the the 80s and the 90s, you know, every every high school team in Indiana was doing something that Bob Knight was doing and that Indiana University was doing. You had other colleges, you had other other universities picking up on stuff that they were doing, their motion offense, you know, the man-to-man defense principles and things like that. Um, So it wasn't just what he was doing across Indiana. It's what he was doing across basketball as a whole. And I think his, his gift as a motivator, uh, as a coach, and his ability to get the best out of guys, I think is probably what he'll be remembered for the most. I mean, obviously three national titles, but you know, the fact he graduated his players, they stayed for four years. Um, and they seemed to really accept whatever role it was they had on the team. And they seemed to really kind of basically buy into what Indiana basketball was and be willing to play for the name on the front of the jersey. And I don't think that we see that very often anymore. So um, I, was, I was happy to see that he came back to Indiana a couple of seasons ago there during the Purdue game. 
and kind of had his farewell moment there with the fans and with the university and with the team and the program. I thought that was really nice, um, you know, to kind of finally break bread a little bit with the university after such kind of a, a tumultuous exit. But, uh, yeah, you hate to see somebody like this pass away just simply because of what they did for the game. But I think it's easy to say he's the, he's the best to ever walk the sideline, and I'll let you kind of take it from there. No, that's great. I mean, I, it's funny because I don't know how else to follow that up. I mean, you you can't sum up really what he was, and you know it's it's hard for me a little because I never I never had to see him coach a game um, during his career. I mean, he was he finished in Indiana in two thousand. Yep. Uh, you know, I was five years old. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really breaking down his film at that time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, one of the things I think that is so interesting is being a person that never got to witness him coach a game at Indiana. Now, I was old enough to see him at Texas Tech, and I remember yeah. watching some of that. I remember uh, watching Night School on TV. Everybody yep. had that TV show at Texas Tech. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, I didn't still find those on YouTube. Um, and I thought that was really, really cool. Um, but what I know is the aftermath, the impact, right. and, and almost nothing but positive. Um, you know, there's a lot of things people can, can criticize, and that's fine. I mean, that's fine. There are, there are criticisms of everybody. What I know is a couple of things. It cannot be understated how big an undefeated season is. They happened prior to him, and they haven't happened since. Yeah. And it's coming up on 50 years hadn't happened since that's huge you know there's you know there are fans that live in the past on certain things like oh we used to be this we used to be that that's something that indiana has and nobody has and it's coming again almost 50 years ago that's big that's huge my dad said this and my dad watched him from the time he was at indiana until he was finished and he talked about uh, that day when I asked him about it, he said everything about ninety percent of everything I know about basketball comes from Coach Knight. Whether it was watching him coach, whether it was his uh, must see TV with his coach's show, yeah, like he's he was a brilliant basketball mind. He has uh, you know disciples of his coaching. The guy that would be the arguable um, uh, greatest of all time. Against him is Mike Krzyzewski, who was uh, under Coach Knight. You know, I mean, there's two guys that you bring up as, you know, three guys you bring up as the greatest is those two and, and Wooden, and it's Knight and the guy that, that learned from Knight. The other thing I think is that he's still talked about so much in the state where basketball is the biggest. Yep. John Wooden is quoted, and people run UCLA cuts but I don't see people talk about the way John Wooden coached the game like the way Knight coached the game. Yeah. You use the motivation of Wooden, and I'm not taking away. I'm not, this is not a John Wooden is under overrated. Like, <laughs> but, like, you hear them quote him, but Knight, in his impact, is, is still happening. I believe that he changed the way that, that defense was played because the game was very much can you outscore your opponent. And Knight really brought in, here's how you absolutely smother a team. 
with your defense. Mm -hmm. Here's how you truly play defense. He impacted everyone after him because they wanted to run a motion offense, because they wanted to run man-to-man defense. Zone defense in Indiana is often scoffed at, and I think it's because of Knight's impact. I mean, I, yeah. I don't, I can't say, I mean, I know it's, I know it is because of that, but I'm not going to say hundred percent certain that's everyone. But like you hear someone say a zone and people are kind of like, eh, and that's because that's not the way Bob and I play basketball. Right. Um, his impact is still there. I didn't see him coach a game, but I feel his hand on the game yeah. now and it, it impacted it and it, it always will. Um, you know, I think it was, like you said, we don't know him, but he impacted what we did. Uh, he impacted the basketball we watched. Um, and he's the reason that a lot of people were Indiana basketball fans. And he's the reason a lot of people now aren't Indiana basketball fans because they were a fan of Bob Knight, Indiana basketball. Yeah. And not what it looked like after. And that to me, I think speaks volumes when he left that people walked away yeah. because they knew it wasn't going to be it. He, he was, I believe probably the most brilliant mind, uh, to coach because of the way he changed it at a time when the game looked different. Yeah. Um, so I wish I could have been there to see more of it. Uh, but I, by the same token, uh, I try to take everything I could learn from, from someone like that and instill it in today's game. Yeah. Um, you know, with that being said, uh, we, we don't want to be too somber here. It was a great career and, and a great person to learn from. Um, and I'm really excited about the basketball we're going to discuss. So, uh, we're going to come right back, um, and play four quarters. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to get started and play some four quarters. We've got some great topics to discuss, and there is so much basketball. Like, when you and I were talking about this, trying to narrow it down, it's like, hey, what do we want to talk about? And there's like 20 different topics that we could really spend some time on. Um, so we're going to be a little bit vague with our topics, and then we can kind of talk about the things we want within it. Um, but first up, in quarter one, we're going to talk college hoops. We've got started a little bit. We're going to preview it, some teams and some players we like. Um, I know that you're a huge college hoops fan. Uh, I kind of bounce around, and I know you've got loyalty there more than I do. But uh, we're going to get started in college hoops, and I want to know what teams right now you are looking mm-hmm. forward to watching this college basketball season. I wrote down five real quick just for us to kind of bounce some ideas off back and forth here. Uh, first team, obviously, I'm a homer, so I picked Indiana. And for me, obviously being an Indiana fan, I have a vested interest there. But also from an analytical standpoint, from you and I having a conversation and talking about breaking a team down, you know, I want to see how Indiana replaces Trace Jackson Davis. I want to see how they replace Race Thompson. I want to see how their guard play replaces Jalen hood Shafino. That sum total there between losing those three guys and a couple of other players, you know, their 70% of their scoring from last season is gone. And so you talk about a guy like Malik Renew being put into a completely different role where he's now going to go from being a guy that comes off the bench and anything you get as a bonus to now being a guy that's going to be counted on to be sort of a double-double machine. Like, the expectation is going to be a little bit of the Trace Jackson Davis expectation with can you go get us 15 and 10 every night. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how, how his maturation process takes place, how he's willing to accept his new role, uh, bringing in a guy like Khalil Ware from Oregon, the transfer. He's seven feet two. It's the tallest guy that Mike Woodson has ever coached. 
He can stretch the floor a little bit. Not necessarily a back to the basket seven foot two player. Uh, not to say he's Victor Wimbanyama, but it looks on the court at the college level a little bit similar with where he plays and how they space him out. Uh, and defensively, he's going to be a problem for this for the for opponents playing Indiana. Uh, which is a good thing to have because it reminds you of a little bit of, of a bigger trace, you know, playing back on that back line of the defense. Uh, guard play, you've got Xavier Johnson, you've got Trey Galloway. You know, I think Galloway has an opportunity to be an all-Big Ten type of player. Not that he's – and I had this conversation yesterday. Not that he's great at one thing, but he's very good at everything. And he's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife for this team, which I think they need. Uh, and I think maybe the the great unknown is what type of season are you going to get out of McKenzie M. M- Gabaco? You know, the freshman that, that uh, committed, decommitted, and then came to Indiana. Um, 6'8", stretch forward, can shoot the ball a little bit. Uh, so that may kind of be the wild card at the moment for the Hoosiers as far as their starting five goes. And then I think they've got to find a decent rotation off the bench. Uh, just in watching the clips from their exhibitions and then watching the Florida Gulf Coast game, their defense is ahead of their offense right now, and I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, um, especially when we're talking about November. I don't know that your offense is ever going to be clicking the first week of the season. Uh, but to see that their defense is pretty high level, and they've got guys who can come off the bench and who can defend the, and, and can defend at a high level. I think that that's good. Uh, just got to figure the offense out and see who's going to be, you know, kind of their go-to guys and who they can throw the ball to and, and, and who can go make plays. But that's my first team. I'll let you kind of take the reins on, on a team that you're paying attention to. So, yeah, really quick to comment on Indiana. Um, Ware looks super fun. Um, he's really, I feel like a pick and roll threat, like you said, more than maybe back to the basket guy. Yeah. And defensively, his impact right now is immeasurable. Uh, you failed to mention my favorite player on the Indiana roster, which is Gabe Cups. Um, I love that guy. He plays so hard. He oh, just looks, came in looks and gave like phenomenal minutes. He gave phenomenal minutes yeah, against Florida Gulf Coast. He's going to be the most likable guy on the roster because you're just going to love his hustle every night. Like, yeah. he just looks so fun. I went to their practice a couple weeks ago, and it was like, man, I love that kid. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stay in Indiana, though, shocker, okay. um, for the team that I really uh, am looking forward to watching this year. I don't know – I don't have any expectations for them, really, uh, but it is uh, more just the excitement of it, and I am really excited about Notre Dame. Uh, okay. I – Love the hire of uh, Micah Shrewsbury, and I love that he is bringing Indiana kids to Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, something that you and I have talked about at nauseum. Why are Indiana colleges not recruiting Indiana kids? <laughs> uh, Notre Dame is doing that. They've got several Indiana kids. They're recruiting more of them, and I think my new favorite player in college basketball is going to be Marcus Burton. Mr. Indiana okay. basketball last year. He set the Notre Dame freshman record uh, for uh, a debut. He scored 29 points in his debut game, and he looked phenomenal, scoring three-pointers, going to the basket, pulling up, and that's kind of his patented shot is that pull-up mid-range, uh, getting to the free-throw line. was everything. They've got a fun, fun crew um, and a lot of Indiana kids, and I'm just excited to see what they do. So Notre Dame is definitely at the top of my list of teams I'm really excited 
my kind of second tier one there is UConn. I just want to know what they look like bouncing back. Are they yeah. going to be just as strong? They lost a lot, but I feel like UConn's a, a powerhouse in the making. Um, so those are my two teams I think I'm most excited about uh, as well. Um, do you have anybody that's kind of, I know I use, you know, you're always going to be watching those games. Is there anybody that's kind of on your, like, hey, if I use not on, I'm looking for them? I'll give you one, and they're on TV all the time because they are one of the perennial blue blood programs. But I want to see what Duke looks like with those guys that all came back. Can that sophomore class that they have with Pryor and Filipowski, can those guys carry Duke to the level of success that Duke is accustomed to having? That is my question. And I think you're looking at both of those guys on the roster, Pryor and Filipowski, both. You know, looking at being first-round NBA draft picks next year. But what type of impact can they have as sophomores on that team? I think you're probably looking at Duke being the favorite to win the ACC this season. I'm not sure that that's probably a close debate. I think Carolina will have something to say about that before it's all said and done. Uh, But I'm interested to see how Duke pans out this year and what that sophomore class looks like because I think they've got a chance to be really good. Uh, I agree, and big news for them is they snag Cooper Flag for next year. Yeah, and so it looks like that Duke's just not missing a beat. Yeah, um, when that news broke, it was kind of like, oh, okay, it may not be much different for Duke than it was. But I mean, not having Coach K is big, but right, the name still still holds uh, some some water around there. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely like that. Um, you know, the other team I think is interesting, and it's just the story, but I think they'll be good. <laughs> um, is Another historical coach that we have left off in terms of talking about the goats. We talked Coach KM Knight earlier. Um, I'm curious to see what St. John's really looks like. Yeah. Uh, I watched some of their scrimmage, like some highlights and stuff, or their exhibition, not really scrimmage, but uh, apparently they've got some big guys out there that are now shooting the three, some guys that are better shooters um, than what they were uh, in, the year before. Uh, and I keep seeing people, you know, on Twitter saying the Patino effect. So there's some right. skill development that's happened this off season. And I think St. John's is not going to be, Hey, we're rebuilding. I think Patino's not a guy that looks to rebuild. I think he's ready to compete right now. And so that team looks really, really exciting. I think St. John's will be just fun. Um, and my sneaky team, I think that I have, and I, I say sneaky, they're ranked, but when it comes tournament time, is going to be Creighton. I think Creighton's got yeah. a really well-balanced team with some good scores. Uh, I like Creighton uh, just because I love Doug McDermott, and I think they have an interesting system. They bring in a lot of the same players all the time. Like they have a you know a program what they look like. Yeah, and I just think this might be the year maybe Creighton runs to the Final Four or you know does something that's um, they're always so close. You know, like last year they were they were right there, and I think Creighton could be a team that maybe sneaks in and uh, you know makes some noise this year. I like them. Well, and speaking of Final Four, before we get out of the first quarter here, um, another team I wrote down with what should be, I think, Final Four aspirations, but they've had Final Four aspirations for the last two to three seasons and have fizzled out very early. And I wrote Purdue down. Oh, I have them on my list, too. Um, you know, you're talking about bringing back the National Player of the Year. You're talking about that freshman class that they had, you know, with Braden Smith and was it Lawyer, their, their guard? That was yeah, the yeah. freshman. Yeah, you talk about bringing those two guys back as sophomores. Uh, Trey Kaufman Wren, you know, a little bit of a, a, a local kid for us that we coached against. You know, he's going to be a year older. Caleb First is still there. And they've got the 7 2 big kid coming off the bench who seems like he's going to get minutes this year. Yeah. Uh, 
So to a certain degree, I think you've got a lot of people on the Purdue bandwagon that are expecting maybe not just a Big Ten title, but I think they're expecting a legitimate Final Four run here. And so my big question for Purdue is can they win in March? Or are they going to pull the Purdue of the last several seasons and lose in the first weekend of the tournament when really they should be a team that's marching through the tournament and making a run for a Final Four? I don't think anyone has more pressure than Purdue does. Like, truly. I I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You can't. You can't get out. You can't be in there for one or two rounds again. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not saying like I don't think they're going to lose their job, but it's it's borderline embarrassing. Um, as, as the buzzer's about to go off here, um, I uh, I have one more one more note. Uh, really quick, a player I think to watch in college basketball that I was super impressed with, and I'm not going to shock anybody with this, but Grant Nelson from Alabama. If you haven't watched, okay. it's worth, worth your time. He's a fun one. Okay. Uh, something, something. If you don't, if you don't know who it is, uh, you know, Instagram and YouTube, real quick. He's a he's a fun, exciting one. Um, as we go into quarter two, let's jump to the professionals. Um, we are out of college here. Let's talk NBA. We're in full swing. There's a lot going on. There is so much to talk about with. The NBA. So I'm going to let you start. Let's talk quickly. What teams right now are jumping out that are exciting to you, that look good to you, um, that uh, you are hoping to see on TV pretty soon? I wrote down two lists. I wrote down a good list and I wrote down a bad list. So oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the good side of it first. And I've got, I got three teams that have kind of jumped off the page at me early on here. Uh, Dallas at six and two. Um, that was a team that you and I talked about preseason-wise as far as having absolutely no idea what you were going to get or what to expect out of that team based on their roster and how things were put together. Uh, I think them starting the year out at 6-2 and two is relatively surprising. They've not played the toughest of schedules, but I think still through their first eight games at 6-2 and two, and seeing that maybe there's a little bit of semblance of how that offense is going to work with Luka and Kyrie both on the floor at the same time. I think that maybe we're in a situation to watch that possibly work itself out a little bit and maybe overachieve compared to what you and I were, were expecting. Uh, my other team is the Sixers at 6-1. Six and one. There's just team chemistry with that group right now. I don't think that there's an ego on that squad. They all know that Joel Embiid is the dude and everybody else plays around and plays off of him. Them getting rid of James Harden is the best move that they've made, I think, maybe since the uh, the process started, so to speak. Uh, anytime that I think you can unload a guy that uh, maybe throws a wrench in the locker room a little bit uh, and makes team chemistry difficult, I think that you're better off. Um, so I, the Sixers at 6-1 six and one have stood out to me a little bit, and the way that they're playing basketball has stood out too. And then the third team for me on the good side of things, I'm a homer, so I said the Pacers at 5-3. and three, And I say this because of their offense. So the Pacers started the year out putting up 143 on the Wizards. They have since gone on to score 125, 121, 152, and 134. All that said, they've also given up 155. But, hey, look. You can't win them all. So that being said, the Pacers at five and three, one, two, three, four. I mean, 
their five wins, they are scoring the basketball at a pretty high clip at this point and have one of the most efficient offenses in the league. Um, I think you're seeing the Tyrese Halliburton come out party. And Obi Toppin has kind of brought himself into this team, I don't want to say seamlessly, but, I mean, almost seamlessly, and has been a great fit for the team. Bruce Brown's been a great fit. And so the Pacers, I think, are a team that hopefully, if they can get through this stretch opening the season um, and put themselves in a decent spot in playoff contention, I think that they may be a really fun team to watch as we get into the second half. Yeah, you know, I've watched their scores too, and I thought the same thing. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of defense there, but you know what? If you're not going to be great, you might as well be entertaining. And, man, they're fast. You know, we're going to talk about the um, in-season tournament here in a minute. And I went to that game the other day, I'll get there, but, man, they're they're fun and they're fast. I want to go back to Philly for a minute because I have them on my good list. Um, They had at one time, and it may have dipped. I mean, it's early, but, like, they had at one time four guys averaging 20 points a game, and I know they've only played seven games. I get it. <laughs> but it's still the – it was just – and not to complain because Joel was an MVP and winning a scoring title. Right. Things weren't bad. They were good. But it's the way the game is being played that's more fun. You know, it was spam, pick, and roll, Harden and Embiid. Efficient and effective. But the way the ball's moving right now, the way Tyrese Maxey looks like an all-star, the way Nick Nurse has them playing selflessly and playing real, like, real, really good defense. Like, they're playing, you know, it's not just, hey, we hope Joel blocks some shots and we've got some good wing defenders. This is real um, team defense. Nick Nurse, I texted you, and you're just like, well, he's a genius. Like, this this looks like, okay, a basketball genius has touched this uh, franchise. They're fun. Uh, Joel looks like he's having fun, and he's a guy that deserves it because he has had nothing but poor teammates, um, <laughs> except for their mistake in, in not keeping Jimmy Butler. Um, so they're at the top uh, for me. Uh, the other one, so I don't know if I've talked about the Denver Nuggets on this podcast before. I'm not sure that there's uh, there, that we have any uh, audio yeah. of that, Cam. So, yeah, I don't know if I've spent any time talking about Jokic, but if I haven't, I'm going to go ahead and, and – Start right now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They look like they just have the most chemistry of anybody. Oh, yeah, without like, question, no doubt. Jamal Murray is out. He's going to be out for a little while. And they really didn't miss a beat last night against Golden State. They were definitely down without him. You could see, okay, they don't have the same weapons, but they beat him. You know, Jokic looks absolutely unstoppable, yeah. and everybody on their team looks like they just got better. You know, Christian Brown, that rookie last year from Kansas, he stepped up and taken that Bruce Brown role. You know, just okay, hey, I'll be this guy that plays defense and comes off the bench, and I'll be a spark. And oh, you, you know, talk about a guy that may be in the liking for most improved. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think he's got to be in the conversation at this point. Yeah, there's no doubt. So. Uh, that team just looks really, really fun. And again, I don't want to spend too much time because we know, but it's just like, right. hey, they could do it again. Yeah. Uh, the other team um, is the Boston Celtics, just because they look, they look like they have no weaknesses. And Philly beat them the other night, which was awesome. But Boston looks so tough. I think their weaknesses is Joe Mazzola. Um, I think that's Boston's weakness. I think the weakness is Joe Mazzola. I think they have all the weapons. They have no weaknesses on the court. I think Joe Mazzola is just – I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's just not polished yet. Uh, but I want to go to Dallas too as a surprise. I think 
A big thing is Luke and Kyrie, and then everyone else is a defender. I think that's a big thing to note. Like, they've got Grant Williams, who can defend. They've got um, the big kid from Duke. Oh, I'm a massive Derek Lively fan. Yeah, man. He's, he looks like, um, like a young uh, Tyson Chandler. Yeah. I think we talked about that before. Like he he kind of gives me that vibe, and he fits perfect. He yeah. fits perfect. So I love what they've got going on. Um, the teams that I'm disappointed in, uh, and it's so early, but the Kings are – Starting slower, and they don't have Fox right now. Like, we yeah. have to take them into account. They don't have probably their best player. Um, so that's the, the reason why I'm disappointed. But I expect when they're healthy for the Kings to be lighting the league on fire because I just think they've got a fun group there. Uh, the other thing is San Antonio. Wimbanyama is super fun, but they're really bad. Yeah, they are. They're my negative here is <laughs> Wimbanyama is must-see TV. Even with a bad game, he's a rookie. Even with a bad game, he's must-see TV. But they're atrocious um and good for them we'll get to number one pick again maybe i mean <laughs> if they fall into that it's unbelievable um you know so i think that would be my negative list i would say the spurs okay. and the Kings just more it's unfortunate you know they've got a great group and it's unfortunate that they're missing their key guy when i it, you could tell they were trying to make a statement this season right. you could tell they're coming out to to beat teams and hopefully they're healthy because they'll be fun uh, who's your uh, not so good list uh, a couple of teams that we talked about, uh, the Pistons out of the gate at two and seven. You know, you and I talked about their youth, and and this year obviously probably not being a season that the Pistons kind of announced their announced themselves in the league as somebody who's going to be a, a contender or make a playoff run, but was expecting a little bit more out of them through the first nine ten games, and then the Cavaliers at three and five. Uh, you and I talked about them being a team that should probably be in the top three or top four in the East. And obviously it's so early. They've only played eight games or nine games. But at the same time, with their roster and the guys that they have, I expected them to get out of the gate a little bit quicker than what they did. So those are my two teams I've looked at and kind of thought, you know, kind of early performance-wise, record is definitely not indicative of, of where they should be so far this at this point in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't um, – I'm pretty disappointed in the Cavaliers because I was very high on them. Yeah, yeah, we both were. Mitchell – Donovan Mitchell has looked outstanding. And if it continues to not go so well, I could definitely see him being somewhere else by the end of the season. You like, don't think he wants to hang out in Cleveland just for funsies? I know. Look, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is awesome. Listen, have you been to Cleveland? I <laughs> can't say I have, but... Look, that team looked like they could be really fun, and I they're just not quite... Um, I don't know. They just haven't put it together. And again, it's early. But he's looked awesome. I know Philly's got him on the radar. Um, Philly's got a couple people on the radar. The other person I'm super impressed with, and they're a team that's just as, you know, we're getting down to the final seconds here, the team that's really fun that I just love watching, and I know you do too, is Oklahoma City and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Man, that team is just... I like watching their entire roster play. Just to be, (laughs) I mean, full disclosure, I like watching SGA. I like watching Giddy. Uh, I like watching Chet. If he stays healthy, man, that yeah. team that team is going to be a huge surprise and a massive problem for some teams that we've talked about being contenders. They're going to be a real problem. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chet, to me, is somebody that's like, oh, I think he's going to be more special than what we thought. Yeah, he's, I do. I completely agree. All right. Uh, headed into halftime, uh, before we get into the third quarter, any adjustments we need to make here, Coach? <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, Tell you what, I think the first half has been pretty spectacular. Yeah, uh, we followed the game plan spot on. Uh, you know, there's so much bad before we get into it. Like, there's just so much basketball right now that it's just fun. I mean, really, yeah. we said it, but there's a lot of good basketball going around, and it's hard to name two or three things to just, especially in the NBA. There's a lot of fun ball. Yeah, I mean, for, for you and I, this is the best This is the best part of the, of the year. And, yeah. you know, I hate that, you know, everybody always complains about it getting cold and being winter and all that, but, man, this is this is easily the best part of the year. It is. There's, there's no doubt it is. Um, and adding into the best part of the year, as we start the clock for the third quarter, I want to talk about the in-season tournament. Okay. Because it's just been sprung on us, and we're learning it as we go. And I think the NBA is too. So I'm going to start the <laughs> clock. Um, okay, I, I kind of want to kick it off here for just a second. Yeah, you take it, and then, then I'll, I'll chime in. But you, you take the reins on this one, and I'll – Add in a few anecdotes as we go along. Yeah. So, first of all, I attended it, first in-season tournament game. Um, I went to the Pacers-Cavaliers. It was really fun. Donovan Mitchell put on a show. The Pacers won. Tyrese Halliburton hit a step-back three to ice it. He threw a crazy lob to Obi Toppin that was just, you know, just exciting. And the gym was packed. I mean, it was a packed house for this game. I don't know if it's because it was the tournament I don't know if it's because it was a Friday night, but every seat was full. If that's what it's going to be, draw that kind of excitement for all the teams who may not always pack the house, that's cool. Right. Um, we might need... We might need to tone it down on the colors on the floor. Uh, that was a little bit, a little bit much. The jerseys are okay. I get it. You're trying to sell something, but the floor was borderline like hard to watch the game, especially on television. Um, talking to you, Chicago Bulls. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of red. Uh, um, but now that being said, I like the in-season tournament. But my question is, why are we doing it? And not that I say we shouldn't be, but what is this for? Who is this for? And what are we doing with it? Um, And we can get into that more in a second. But that's my thing. I like it. There's nothing about this that I dislike. It's cool. But it was immediately into the season, and I have no idea how it works. Even when I look it up and read it, I'm like, I don't understand it. And why are we doing this? So that's my thought. I like it, but why? How about you? Yeah, and I'm interested to hear a little bit more of of your take on this. And I'm going to hold off any sort of harsh judgment or being overly critical. Right. Because I don't know what the end game is in this. Like, we've gotten gotten this quote-unquote so-called tournament started. I understand that the teams across the league are put into groups, which I think sounds very much like maybe – how the Olympics starts and they group their teams and, you know, it sounds a little bit like that, but it's also not consistent. So 
we have an in-season tournament game, and we go through, like you said, the jerseys and the floor change, and we, that needs to be addressed because that's a real problem on TV. Um, it's rough. It's really rough. <laughs> I couldn't imagine playing on it. Like I know, I, know. I know when Oregon changed their court to the pine trees, you know, people kind of lost their mind. When Memphis did what they did to their court and put the baby blue and the tiger stripes and stuff on their floor, people kind of lost their mind. Dude, these NBA floors are hard to watch. Uh, but I could, I, again, I could not imagine playing the game no. with with that being the court that I've no. got to try and not only not only get a bucket on, but see my teammates and everything else. There's just it's too much color overload. It reminds me of Boise State football. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about two years ago. Remember, it was really bright blue, and it was almost like you can't really tell what's going on. Right. It's a lot like that. Yeah, it's a whole lot like that. It's just a lot to process. There's a lot to unpack. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that I like it or if I if I dislike it yet. I'm curious to see how it plays out. I want to see what the the end result of this tournament is. You know, how do you work through the bracket? Is, are we talking single elimination? Are we talking double elimination? Uh, and I'm also curious to see how how teams buy into it as we get. I think obviously anytime you're talking tournament and you have guys who are this competitive and who are this talented, you're going to get them to buy in that first game because everybody nobody wants to be the team that loses the first game of a tournament. But I'm curious to see as we get a little bit deeper into this, um, especially like I said in the context of of playing a game, and then the next game's not the tournament. The next game is the tournament, and you're you're going from one game to the next where you've got a tournament atmosphere, now it's a regular season game. Tournament atmosphere, regular season game. Um, and you and I talked a little bit about how we felt like the contenders may be willing to let this slide. So um, is this going to be something where the teams with the youth – maybe give the most buy-in and the most effort. We'll see. Um, I don't hate it yet, um, but I also don't know that I like it yet. So I'm, I'm very much to be determined. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't dislike this at all. I think it's really cool. I think I just don't understand it yet. I'm, um, with, I'm with you. I don't understand it. Yes. I... Do not like the on and off format. I think that's what confuses me. That's going to be hard to keep people interested. Yes. If it's like, oh, hey, this isn't a tournament game. That's just, it's just weird. Um, and hopefully they'll adjust. I mean, hopefully they'll come to it and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll adjust this. They're, they're seeing what it looks like. And I'm okay. I'm here to feel it out. Like, I really I am. I'm, I'm on board with it. Um, I think my thing is, what is the incentive? And if you're going to keep people engaged, it better be a pretty big incentive because more money for the players. I'm the biggest basketball fan in the world, and you're right up there with me. You know, we are on tier one basketball fans yeah. in the pyramid, <laughs> and the reward being more money is like I could not, I, I couldn't possibly care less about them making more money for this tournament. Right. Like, you know, like, what's my incentive? I have some ideas for this. I've already been brainstorming and I have some ideas, I think, to improve the in-season tournament. I don't dislike it, but when um, Commissioner Silver comes to me, and he will. He should. Ask, hey, he should. Really, he should. Um, comes to me and says, hey, Cam, look. We know this needs to be cleaned up. What are we thinking here? So first right. things first, we're scrapping the floor color. All right, that's the one. <laughs> the incentive is the most important part. What do you think about an incentive 
where the winner is guaranteed a play-in spot in the playoffs. So if you end up making the playoffs, it doesn't matter anyway. But if you're, let's say Detroit came out and won this and they're last, they're, they're still guaranteed a play-in. Um, I think some sort of guarantee that you're a playoff team, to me, um, you know, would be a big incentive. Could it do with the draft? I don't know if that would mess things up too much. If it was like, hey, if you win, you get a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, I don't know if you could do that. Um, to me, I like the play-in guarantee. If you win, it's like in college. If you win your conference tournament, you're going to the NCAA tournament. You could win no games all year, and then if you win your conference tournament, you're in. You know. So to me, right. I think it would be interesting if you won – and then you're automatically in that playing game. Not a playoff spot. You're just eligible for the play-in tournament. Um, I think having an incentive that has greater stakes makes people more engaged. Um, I think an easier format to follow we definitely need. These games need to be back-to-back. We need to wait about a month or so into the season, and then this needs to take place all over the course of a month. Single elimination or something, but... When it's like once a week and there's two games in between that are at the tournament, I don't I, I don't know what is what. Yes. Um, I also think, and this is coming from the mouth of Bill Simmons, who I listen to all the time, we have a lot of money and resources to call it the in-season tournament. <laughs> and there's T-shirts that they're rolling up called the in-season tournament. Um, the NBA has been on a kick on naming things after former NBA icons. Yeah. Um. The MVP of the finals is now the Bill Russell Trophy. Yep. I think the Eastern Conference MVP is Larry Bird, and the Western Conference is Magic Johnson. Sounds right, yep. The All-Star Game MVP, I believe, is the Kobe Bryant yep. Award, and I think some of the other awards have been given names, too, or they've they're used their image on the trophy. Yeah. All right. I think the in-season tournament needs a change here, name change. We're going to name it after an NBA icon. How about the in-season tournament after the late, great David Stern? Yeah, you have to do something, I think, at some point to bring <laughs> to bring him into it. You know what I mean? I think, I think we're, we're, we're right now, we're sitting on a gold mine, okay, with the, with the tournament, and, and it just went right over Silver's head. I, I'm not sure how he didn't see that right there in front of him. Uh, but uh, really, though, I think the marketing is our issue, though. I think it's people are aware of it, but no one understands it. I think yeah. that's more my critique. I think I'm with you. I think the NBA definitely rolled it out, but I think it's a figure it out as we go type process here. Um, and it was like, well, we're going to do this tournament. We're going to have this plan. And here's what we think. So we're going to throw it out there and try it for this season. And I guess if it works, it works. And if not, we'll tweak it. To me, would this not be a phenomenal thing to kick off on Christmas Day? I thought the same thing. I think it has to be. I mean, could you not run this from Christmas Day to mid-January and say, you know, that way you group your teams. You can obviously manipulate how you group your teams. Um, But even if you did it by the old classic divisions that the NBA used to have, you could go off the divisions now, too, and – either expand on them or figure out your matchups that you want to play. They don't all have to play on Christmas, but to me, I would kick it off on Christmas Day 
and let it run for that three or four week span and then yeah, go and from there. The break. Yeah, and then like you're that. done by the all-star break and then you're back to it. And I'm with you. You have to incentivize it in some form or fashion. I do like the idea of a team being guaranteed either a play-in spot or a playoff spot. Um, something along those lines. You have to find a way to make it worth having because to me, the, the, the contending teams that know that they're going to be playing in April, May, and June aren't necessarily going to see the weight or the significance in playing in this particular tournament if there's not something big on the end of it. And as we wrap up there, I'll let you take the, the final thought there, and then we'll go into quarter four. But I agree with most everything that, that you said there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's just more understanding it. I like it. Um, and I, I stand by this tournament. <laughs> At least name the trophy after him. Yeah, something. Uh, okay, let's go quarter four. We're going to drop back down here um, to the amateur level. And we're going to get to the heart of the Picket Fence podcast here and talk Indiana high school basketball. Love it. Um, I want to talk teams, players, and just, um, you know, the kickoff of this season, how we feel about it. So to start the clock, I just want to ask you, man, like, what does this time of year mean to you? Because we are we are now starting. Like it is it is underway. Yeah, and, and you're right in the middle of it. You guys are, have have gotten started. Like you said, you're four days in. Uh, this part of the year, when I was in it, was up there as being my favorite. And I say that because it's just you and your guys for this first two three weeks. You're not worried about breaking down other teams' film. You know, you're not setting up watching what somebody else is doing just yet. All you're doing is prepping your guys and your system and the way you want to do things. And you're just getting to coach your team for this first 10 to 14 days of the season. Uh, You know, you're spending an immense amount of time together. You're trying to knock the rust off. But it also, every year, it feels very brand new. Um, for as many years as maybe you've been doing it or for maybe you have some you know seniors that have been playing varsity for three or four years, it still feels new. Um, you know every, the, the start of, of practice always always feels always feels new and it's fun, it's enjoyable. You guys are getting ready to have your scrimmage next week. That's when it really starts to feel real. Um, you know and then from there it's basically, uh, full speed ahead and kind of feels like your hair's on fire for a couple of months because you don't really know whether you're coming or going. Uh, once the season starts, it, it feels like it doesn't take any time for it to end. But uh, I love this time of year, seeing high school basketball get started, seeing communities get excited and rally around their squads and their players. And we're lucky this year to be in an area of Indiana where there's a lot of stuff to be paying attention to, whether it be teams or players. Uh, and we're lucky in that regard. And there's going to be a lot of good basketball being played in our area. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, I just kind of get that excitement. You know, back in the gym Monday, it was just like, man, like I I miss being there. Even yeah. when the season's over, it's just – I had a referee ask me one time, like, man, are you about ready to be – you know, be ready to be done? And I'm like, no, man, I could do this all yeah. year. It's just, just something you love and you need that break because it is a lot, like you said. You don't know whether you're coming or going, but <laughs> – it's exciting. I mean, there's so much potential for it. You don't really know what to expect in a lot of ways. 
and I love being with the guys. I love, yeah. you know, just that feel of like, hey, we're really back at it. And today, you know, being the first day, it's not tryouts now. It's for real. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's it's go time. And you can feel it. You know, you can feel it. And the guys, they're ready. Um, so that being said, let's kind of look at Indiana. And you talk about our area. Um, look at these guys that, you know, players and teams that are standing out that are, you know, uh, exciting to us. And I, I think there's some stuff going on right now in the state that's about to really be exciting. And that's players and teams alike. Uh, our area has been so competitive the past several years, and I think it's just going to be even more so than this year. Um, so other than the Court and Central Panthers, who are all ranked number one in, in Absolutely. all categories right now. Zero um, biased on your side there. Yeah, that's, yeah. this is absolutely – um, they're number one, regardless of, of what any ranking says. Um, uh, what about some teams that are standing out to you? I know I've got a couple in, in 1A, 2A, 3A, and 4A that I, I'm kind of going to be personally paying attention to, and then a few players. But what teams are you going to be looking out for, whether those John Harrell scores pop up or you're going to be trying to sneak into some games? Oh, I think you and I are probably both in agreement here. I think most people in our area – um, and maybe even most people around the state are going to be paying a whole lot of attention to Brownstown Central. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, Jack Benner is going to be must-see TV for Brownstown. But Brownstown, in, in and of itself, their, their team is loaded beyond just Jack Benner. He's going to be the, the one that makes that team go. He's going to be, obviously, option number one on that squad, and we've all seen the highlights from last year and some of the things he did. So the anticipation of him as a senior – uh, before he gets ready to head off to Purdue, I think is going to be uh, it's going to be high, but I don't think it's anything that he's not going to live up to, for sure. Um, you oh, look at not. you look at what Brownstown did bolstering their schedule this year. Obviously, trying to play some tougher, bigger competition. Uh, I think he's easily either one A or one B in the Mister Basketball conversation this season, and I would give the edge to him simply because he's going to Purdue. Uh, Agreed. And I've got – we'll talk about the other the other option for Mr. Basketball in a second because I wrote their, their squad down. Uh, but I think it starts with Brownstown in our area. Um, I wrote Scottsburg down. They return a whole lot of uh, their players from a very good season that they had last year. Uh, again, two Mid-Southern Conference schools. The beauty for, for Brownstown and Scottsburg is they play in different classes. You know, so yeah, Bra- absolutely. <laughs> I mean – and, you know, Brownstown may be the favorite to win the 2A state title, and Scottsburg may be one of the favorites to, to come out of the, the sectional here that the Corden Panthers play in. And they may be the favorite to make a run for a, a semi-state again like they did last year. So we'll see. What are, who are you, outside of the Corden Central Panthers, who are you looking at uh, paying some attention to? So what's so exciting about those two teams is they are uh, – in our conference, oh, on our yeah. schedule, and oh, yeah. in our sectional. So music to my ears. But they also are just, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and not talk about how, how good they are. Watching yeah. Brownstown over the summer, they're just, you know, on all cylinders. Man. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they are as strong as you could look. Well, they I'm weren't just for. beating 4A teams this summer. They were hammering 4A trashing teams. Them. Yeah. Trashing them. And, I, I mean... No one could be even being on a team that's in their conference. Like, I couldn't be more excited about them, and I, I will be rooting for them to go as far as they can go. I well, mean, really, and the good news is you don't have to pay for a ticket to get to watch them, so you get to. No, that's a front row seat, courtside seat, yeah, and tight in Corden. 
uh, so he doesn't take home uh, some glasses as a souvenir like he did last year. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Brownstone Central, absolutely. I mean, to me, they're my 2A favorite. And, and look, 2A basketball is not a cakewalk. Right. 2A basketball is tough. You've got Fort Wayne Blackhawk. You've got Linton Stockton. There are teams that, you know, it's not just like, oh, it's it's a guaranteed state title. No way. Um, 2A might be the most competitive, if I'm being honest. Like, 2A basketball is strong. And, and they've got the Providence Pioneers in their sectional, and yeah. that's no cakewalk to get out because yeah. they almost didn't get it last year. Um, but jumping some classes, I want to quickly jump to 1A. Okay. Uh, just because there's a local team, relatively local team, that is always up there in the rankings that's not appreciated enough, and I know they don't have – a ton of depth in terms of their uh, tournament success, but Orleans is in the top five. Yeah, and I just think that they deserve some recognition because they are always up there. They win twenty games. They play teams that are they play four A teams on their schedule. Yeah, um, they don't always beat them, but it's like you know, a one A team will say, "Hey, I'm going to go play in New Albany and be competitive with them," and you're, it's. I, you know, I respect everything about that program. So I just wanted to shout them out as my 1A team because I hope that they make a run this year. Uh, and they've just been a team that, you know, when I want to see how, uh, you know, I'm scouting a team. I always try to see if I can snag Orleans film and see what they did because right. they're, all, they're all doing it right. Um, so they're my 1A. My 2A, again, is also Brownstown Central. Now I've got two of the other classes. So talking 3A basketball, I really. And they've made some state championship appearances and some wins recently. I really like Gurion Catholic again. They're not the highest ranked in 3A. They're still in the top 10. Um, but they're you know lower than maybe what you would say is OA favorite. But I watched them over the summer, and they um, just looked dominant. I watched them play some really, really – and I'm not going to shout out some of the teams they beat. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to say that, but like – they played some teams that are good, good teams that are going to be contending for sectionals and regionals, and they drummed them. Uh, I watched them play uh, just, you know, those teams that you watch, it's like, man, that chemistry is on another level. Yeah. That's what Gary Catholic looks like. They yeah. are a strong program. They are always that good. Uh, so they're a team that I'm like, hey, you know what? You may not have them in the top two or three, but you're not counting out Gary Catholic. Yeah. The other one's Connorsville, and they are ranked up there. And Connorsville last year was really good. Yeah. Uh, and I think Connorsville's the team this year. They're like, okay, hey, Connorsville's put it all together. Yeah. Um, last year I got some film from them, watched some of their games, and I was – you know, like, hey, we're not hearing enough about this team. Uh, and they're up there in the rankings this year. I want to say maybe they're third. I'm, I'm, I don't want to, don't quote me on that, but they're up there. Um, but I really like Connorsville there in 3A. And then my two 4A teams, and I think we're going to have the same ones here so we can kick off that discussion. The two teams to watch are Kokomo and Ben Davis, but not necessarily for the reasons of just, oh, they're going to be dominant. My questions for them. Kokomo has Floyd Badunga, yeah. who is the Mr. Basketball um, favorite. Yeah. But they lost some guys, and I'm curious what they're going to look like. Can he carry them somewhere, or is it going to be a weaker season for them? And the other one is Ben Davis, because um, you know we're not going to get in that situation, but some coaching stuff happened. Yeah, right. But they've still got a strong roster and yeah. a top five player in the state. So those two teams are fun to watch because, hey, will they be back? Because they got they were there last year in the state championship. Will they be back, or will this look wildly different? Yeah, and I think those are fair, fair questions. Um, in the final minute or so here in this fourth quarter, do you have any notes on that, or anybody else that you're? Yeah, I wrote down both Kokomo and Ben Davis. I wrote down Providence at the two A level um, simply because I think it's the one team that can give Brownstown problems um, come sectional time. 
Kokomo, kind of for the same reasons you put down. I think Badunga is, like I said, with Benner, 1A, 1B, competing for Mr. Basketball. Uh, but I'm with you. Can can Kokomo replace all of the pieces that they lost? And what do they look like with uh, with really just Badunga being the go-to option this year? Um, can he Is he going to be enough to carry them at the 4A level uh, when it comes tournament time? And then Ben Davis, obviously um, defending state champions, so you want to write them down, have that conversation about them. Uh, like you said, regardless of coaching situation, still have some of the best talent in the state up there. Um, that's a very competitive area, obviously up there around Indy. But, uh, you know, you talk about Ben Davis, you talk about Lawrence North, and some of the talent that they've got, I think you probably throw Carmel in the mix, like usual. Uh, they're at the 4A level. But, yeah, I think if you're a defending state champion, you're someone that, that needs to be paid attention to. And, and undefeated, too. Yeah, I, I think, what, 33-0 and is what they went yeah. last year. So uh, that's nothing to scoff at. I know they lost a couple of, <laughs> lost a couple of key pieces there. Uh, but with the catchings kid going to overtime elite and leaving and leaving Brownsburg, kind of makes March maybe not eat not easy, but it may be a little bit easier come come sectional time for oh yeah come for, you know you know for Ben Davis and those guys up there in Indy. So sure, absolutely. Uh, before the buzzer goes off here, do you have a Mr. Basketball prediction or a hopeful? I think if Brownstown wins the state title, it goes to Jack Benner. I, uh, at the buzzer, got it off there. I uh, I agree. I think we're going to go Jack Benner. Uh, I'm going to throw in K.J. Winham from Ben Davis. I'm going to throw that name out there. Um, I think K.J. Winham is, is up there in the rankings. And with um, catchings leaving, I think yeah. he was a guy that I thought would get it. A trend lately has been the guy you've kind of that's been kind of the second or third guy that's kind of come out. I mean that was yep. that was Burton last year. There's guys that you're like, oh hey, um, start of the season he was a little under the radar. So I'm gonna throw that name out there, but I think Brownstown makes a run. I think it's better because he's going to Indiana school, um, and, and I'd love to see it. That wraps up our four quarters. When we come back, we have a really fun discussion that I think is a great way to kick off uh, this basketball season. All right, Cam, as we close out four quarters, we're kind of going into overtime here. Uh, not something we've done for the last couple of podcasts. Been a minute since we've kind of given uh, a separate conversation to close this thing out. But we're going to go with a little bit of a list here, like we've done historically, talking about favorite players and, and ranking movies and things like that. Uh, so one we threw out today and, and talked about, we're going to do our favorite venues or arenas to watch a basketball game in. And I'll kind of let you talk a little bit on this, and then we'll get into to giving our, our rankings. We're going to do a top five list on this one, um, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. This is going to be interesting. I can't wait to hear what, what your top five is and then compare it to mine. Yeah, absolutely. When you threw this one out here, I, I, I thought it was a really interesting one because we are kicking off basketball season and having this conversation of, hey uh, – where where do you really like to go? Like when you, when basketball season starts, you, you know you write down, hey, I'm, I got to go see a game here this year. I got to go watch this team here. And part of it is going to that place. I mean, that's 
that's something I think about with a couple of these on the list is not just, Hey, I want to see this team, but Oh no, I got to go see a game here this year. Um, and these, um, all five of these are ones that I always look forward to the beginning of the season. Like, man, I, I got to make a game here. Uh, and if I don't, yeah. I think about it. Like, every season, like, oh, man, I didn't get to see a game there. Um, so I think this is a great way to kick off basketball season after our discussion um, about all the other basketball topics. But a vision is a big part of the game. Like, there are certain gyms where there's a feel. Um, and it's not just because of the fans. There's certain places where you get that feeling when uh, when you're there. Um and it sometimes it's that time of the year, but I think the venue is a huge part of it, especially here in Indiana, um, which yep. my list definitely has a few of those places too. Uh, so I'm going to let you kick it off because I know you've got yours, uh, you know, right, you've ranked your top five here, and I'm excited to see what you've got ranked. So I'm going to let you kick it off with uh, your favorite venues, and I've definitely got some some different criteria, but um, I'm curious to see what how you rank yours. Yeah, I just again, like I told you, kind of on the side here before we got into the conversation, a lot of very vague reasoning behind uh, my ranking system here. There's no real set rhyme or reason. The criteria changed as I was writing all of these down. Um, but just thinking about the arenas, the gyms, the places I've been into to watch a game, you know, obviously factored in the environment of a place. You know, what does it feel like in a, in a packed house? Is it is it a fun arena is it, a, is it a fun place to be in and also kind of factor in the, the quality of of games I've seen in certain places too so um, to kick mine off at, at number five I'm going to go with the United Center in Chicago um, I've only been up there one time I went for the Big Ten tournament in t- uh, 2019 but got to watch some really good basketball up there um, for a couple of days and to me, the United Center is kind of one of those places that as a basketball fan, you want to try and make a trip to at least once. You walk in and you've got the Jordan statue, walk in and you go down to your seat and you look up and you see the banners hanging from those championships and those Bulls years. And you've got Jordan and you've got Pippen and you see the history. And I can think back and remember watching those teams play when I was little and rooting against them so hard because they always beat the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Uh, but always rooting against them, and now as I've gotten older, really started to appreciate how good those teams were. Uh, but remember just loathing the Chicago Bulls when I was little because I so desperately wanted my Pacers yeah. you know, to knock them off. And they were really the only squad that pushed the Bulls to seven games you know, for those two seasons that they matched up in the playoffs. But uh, – Anyway, my number five is the United Center, and a little bit based on environment. It was kind of a neat place to be in. It's a huge arena, much bigger than I thought it was going to be, um, getting into it and getting down closer to the court. Um, but really just to say that I've been in the place that you know Michael Jordan built and to see the, the banners hanging and the numbers and the rafters, that was, that was cool. Absolutely, man. That's fantastic. Uh, I've not been there before, uh, but it's on the bucket list. Um, my ultimate bucket list one is not on my list because I, okay. I haven't been there, but I have to go see Madison Square Garden, and it's got to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. So there's my number one bucket list arena, and that's I feel like that's every basketball fans, obviously, yeah. but uh, I got to get there. Um, so my number five, and, and so my criteria, I have a couple high school gyms, a couple college gyms, um, and a professional gym, um, and it's it's not ranked based on um, 
some of these aren't ranked just based on my favorites, but um, this one's up here, not necessarily because of the venue, but because of um, the feeling of going to that venue. So uh, for the past several years, I go, um, and the past two years, I haven't been able to make it. But for close to a decade, I went every year to state finals. Yeah. And so Cambridge Fieldhouse, formerly Banker's Life, um, that's in my top five, especially for that reason. Going there on state championship day is, uh, I think, as exciting as it gets as a basketball fan. Yeah. Um, that's why it's a little low on my list, not because it's not necessarily because of the place, but why you're in that place. That's fair. So going going to Gamebridge Fieldhouse to see a state championship game because I used to go and watch all four sessions. You know, like which is oh, just yeah. so fun. Um, so I love that because of the environment when you see one side of that huge arena. Because that's what Indiana basketball like when when you bring your whole town and they're all wearing the same color shirt yeah. and every shot that side of the gym just loses their mind and the next shot that side of the gym loses their mind. It is I, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, especially when it's a smaller town school like. When is a school that's not been there before or it's been a long time, those places really bring the crowd, and it is electric. Uh, last year, uh, the Corden Central girls made it there, and that was super exciting uh, to get to see people from Corden go out there. And then the Lanesville girls win, so you have two teams like from you know the county that I live in make it up there, and it was just full of those people. But the three schools I've worked at, the girls' teams have all gone up there. Yeah. Um, when I was at... Uh, Eastern, they, they went there and won. When I was at Salem, they went there. I may have been helping at Salem at that time. And then, or right around that time. And then at Corden Central as well. So I've, I've got to be there right around when all three of those teams have made their run. Um, and our area has had a ton of girls teams go up there. Like this, yeah. our, you know, the local Mid-Southern Conference. But going to Gamebridge, specifically that venue for the state finals, is just so exciting and i think it's so fun to see an arena that big get filled with you know the whole town that closes yeah. down you know for that day yeah so number five for me is is Gamebridge. okay i'm gonna go number four with me is seymour high school but more specifically seymour high school regional games and we can talk about a, a, a Seymour High School hosted sectional final because some of those get pretty entertaining as well. Uh, but to me, there's not much that's better as far as high school basketball goes than getting to Seymour High School at about 9 o'clock in the morning or in some cases when Romeo Langford was playing at New Albany, you were getting there at 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning to get lined up. Uh, but not much is better than getting in there in that 10 a.m. first game. The gym is packed. Uh, you get through the, the the first game, you get through the second game, and then you come back for the night game. And the reason I put Seymour on here was the games I've seen with Romeo Langford and Trace Jackson Davis when he was at Center Grove, yeah. and watching those two guys battle it out for a couple of years uh, up in Seymour was a whole lot of fun. And knowing that it's the biggest high school gym in the world now since Newcastle had to knock off a few of their seats that they were counting, uh, Seymour being the biggest gym, for high school basketball, um, being that it's a gym that you and I both got to, to coach in, uh, and seeing that place full, and like you said, the community's coming together, but that gym being packed is so much fun. It's such a great environment, uh, 
and the quality of basketball that I've had the chance to see from the on the high school level uh, in there has been pretty pretty stellar to say the least. So I've got Seymour uh, High School gym there on my at number four on my list. I could not agree more. So much so that I have Seymour at number four also. Yes, you do. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so first of all, we have coached in that gym together. Yeah. Um, and when you walk out and you are on the floor and you look up, it literally takes your breath away. It does. Like walking in there and it doesn't look like an arena. It doesn't look like an NBA arena. It looks like the biggest high school gym in the world. Yeah. The seating looks like classic Indiana basketball and it's breathtaking. Yeah. We're going there for our first game this year and I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I wish I wish we didn't play home games against Seymour. Like <laughs> honestly, like they really should. They should be allowed to host every game. Yeah, they should be allowed to. That is fair. That's fair. It is. I mean, it's, it's an amazing place to go watch basketball. Yes, it is. It, it, yeah, and, and it's because it's not a stadium. It's it looks like it looks like Indiana in there. Yeah. Um, you know, what's really interesting too is. Um, you know, we worked with a guy that not not from Indiana, that's all I'll say. And he walked in and he's just taking pictures and sending it to people. Yeah. Because it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in here. And, you know, when we bring our fans in there, uh, at different schools I've been at, when you walk in there, they're taking pictures. They're bringing their kids down to the floor and taking a picture where they can get all of it in the background. The kids kind of walk out slow to warm-ups. Like, they really do. They're kind of like, whoa, this is something else. Then you throw in the fact that they host these regional games. <laughs> like, I didn't get to go to that one in person, but I watched it. And, I mean, you couldn't you, I mean, you, you couldn't tell one person from another. It's shoulder to shoulder. It's the house is rocking. You can see, the, like, just the pandemonium in the stands. It's just the coolest. It's just the coolest environment when it's yeah. at that level too. So I have seen more there for because, I mean, you. I'm, now I'm talking myself into why do I have it at four? Because it's <laughs> it's it's awesome. It is an awesome awesome place. Um, yeah. so that's why I have seen more there. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on every single reason that you've got there as well. It's uh, being able to to have played there and coached in that gym is is pretty special. Number three on my list is the first NBA arena I was ever in, and it's Market Square Arena. Unfortunately, that place no longer exists. They tore it down when they uh, right after they built uh, Gainbridge or Banker's Life or whatever you want to call it, Conseco when it was first when it was first built. Uh, but Market Square Arena to me was so cool. Uh, the court level actually set above the street, like you drove under the arena. When you were going through Indy, I always thought that was cool. And the fact that it really kind of set up as um, like one big lower bowl. It didn't have different levels or balconies to it. It was all you walked in and you either went down the stairs or you went up the stairs. You didn't have different levels necessarily um, to the arena, which I thought was really cool. And I think it, it added to the acoustics. It added to the environment. Um, it had a little bit of like an assembly hall feel in the sense that it kind of felt like the crowd was on top of you a little bit in that arena. Um, I got a chance to see two ball games in that place before they got it torn down. Um, the first one I went to, they played the Cavaliers 
and Travis Best hit a game winner from the left wing, and it was right after Reggie Miller had gotten injured, uh, I think playing the Pistons. They were, they were making a decent playoff run. They ended up losing to the Atlanta Hawks in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but it was right after Reggie had gotten hurt, and Travis Best, I think, was maybe a rookie, and he banged home a game winner uh, to beat Cleveland that day. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I've got Market Square Arena at at number three on my list. Yeah, I really wish that I could have. Um, I really wish that I, I could have gone there and watched that. Um, I've heard great stories about that place, especially if you're going to see Reggie. Um, definitely wish I could have been a part of that. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just. It was cool. It was just a cool. It seems like it would be a cooler feel than Gamebridge, and again, I know I had it on my list, but it. it you know, the arenas now don't have the same aesthetic, I think, yeah. as, as what they did at that time, um, which is why I have something for my number three. By the way, I brought up Gamebridge and didn't bring up my story, which we'll have to maybe talk on an episode later, but I almost got thrown out of Gamebridge last year to Pacers game. So I may have to, may yeah, have to talk that, about that. that yeah, I'm going to have to hear that story. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have, I have two NBA indie-related stories where I, I've been asked to. You get rowdy at the NBA games. Well, is that actually the routing? I'm, I'm definitely uh, will do anything to get as close to the floor and the players as possible. Oh, okay, you're that um, guy without getting onto the floor. <laughs> but, um, renovations prevented that, or so they thought. Uh, okay, we'll get to that another time. Um, so my my third one is another classic arena, and not just because of what it's like to go there, but the history as well. Uh, the first basketball game I went to outside of, like, the local high school game where I went to school uh, was a Louisville Cardinals game at Freedom Hall. And I Ooh, had Freedom okay. Hall at three. Um, Louisville played Chicago State uh, in an early game. I was in fourth grade. I remember my dad picking me up and taking me there uh, to go watch Louisville and Chicago State. I still have a thing from that game. They had, like, a red like cardstock paper three that you held up when someone had a three-pointer. Okay. And I still have that. Uh, just I thought it was cool. It was my first game. Um, Freedom Hall has a lot of history, and that's part of it for me. Yeah. Um, to have the Louisville Cardinals there, to have players there for the Louisville Cardinals, you know, Patino being there, but then Denny Crum and all of his great teams and players. But also to be the venue for the Kentucky Colonels, which is a forgotten Great, yeah. great team in basketball. No doubt. There have been some amazing players that have played in Freedom Hall. Um, guys that used to be ABA players that became NBA superstars, like they all got the chance to play. Like we had a professional team really close. Yeah. Um, and the Kentucky Colonels meant a lot to people around here. Um, something I really wish I could go back and see, but Freedom Hall is really cool because it has that older stadium aesthetic. It feels different than all of the stadiums that all pretty much look alike now it doesn't feel modern uh the bellman knights play there now which i think is pretty cool that they're kind of holding that tradition coach davenport who was um on the staff at uofl with crumb and patino i've heard him tell stories games and cardinals games which is cool like he actually stuck freedom all uh, which is a story uh you know i've heard him talk about on interviews and stuff but there's just a lot of history there at Freedom Hall. There's a lot of other events that go on there. It's it's kind of a catch-all in terms of different events, whether it's a Kentucky State Fair or something. But there have been some there's been some great basketball in that arena. And yeah. even when you're there and you kind of go in and, and, and walk around, and it's got the Bellarmine Knights thing on it now, but like 
it feels that way. Like it, it feels like a place where, Hey, there's been some great basketball here. So yeah. I have football there for its history. And then it's history with me. Well, and moving on here, I, I've been to freedom hall a couple of times and I'm with you. Like it's definitely, it has a nostalgic feel to it. Um, yeah. and you can kind of tell that there's a lot of history within that building and to go with history. Number two on my list has as much history as maybe any place that you and I have discussed or talk about or whatever, go watch a game in, but it is Hinkle Fieldhouse for me at number two. Uh, got a chance to go watch one ball game there. I watched uh, Butler play Georgetown several years ago. And when both teams were pretty good, Butler was coming off their, their two-year run, um, so it wasn't in the midst of all that. It was the, the, the teams following their run um, in 2009 and 2010. But uh, – just such a cool place to go watch a game. Uh, you can tell how old the building is. The fact that they've tried to blend in the new with the original. And it's just a neat gym to be in. And uh, as far as nostalgia goes, I don't know that you have a gym or an arena that has more of that um, than that building does. Especially knowing the people that have played in that gym, the games that have happened in that gym and how significant that place is to Indiana basketball history uh, was pretty cool. Again, I couldn't agree more, Derek. So much so. <laughs> so much so. That I have Hinkle Fieldhouse at number two. Yes, you do. It's, look, there is no point. And I have another gym at number one, but it's it's for a different reason than this. And number one is just for how cool it is. Okay. But to me... There is no better venue for a college or professional game than Hinkle Fieldhouse. It is unbelievable. They used to play the high school state championship there, and sometimes I think they still should. Like when we go in there, you're like, dude, they should have it here. Like it just, it's just, it just feels right. I've seen several Butler games at Hinkle. Um, when I was in college, I went all the time. I I love it there. I love that gym. I love that it looks old. I love that when you watch Hoosiers, you're like, oh, dude, there it is. There's Hinkle. Like, yep. when every year when they do like the rankings of venues, Hinkle still is number one. And it's like, how many people watch Butler basketball, really? You know, and, but it still is because when you go there, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the best place. Yep. Like, the games there were amazing. We sat up one time, the first time we got tickets there, I sat up really, really high. Like really high up there, and it just felt awesome because the the old bleachers are up there. Yeah, like it's just there's no back on it. It's not a seat. It's just bleachers, <laughs> and it was amazing because it felt like, hey man, I'm I'm going to watch Bobby Plump, man. You know, I'm I'm here to watch some some real some real Hickory basketball, and that's so I really liked. Uh, I really like Hinkle. I haven't been in a couple years. Um, I would love to go back soon, and. There's nothing more entertaining than watching that bulldog, you know, run across yeah. the run across the court before the game starts. But Hinkle's just, I think, defines Indiana basketball in terms of the arena. Um, I really wish they did more things there. I know that they have NBA practices. NBA teams will sometimes go there and practice um, when they're going to play the Pacers. They'll kind of have their shoot arounds there, and I think that's pretty neat. So I don't know. I couldn't agree again. Couldn't agree more. Hinkle is a special, special place. Yeah, and I'm going to assume that you have probably already predicted what my number one will be. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, Derek. I have no, much like me, not knowing who your favorite basketball player in the NBA is, 
I know that you're equally as intrigued as to where I'm going with this because I may throw a curveball. Even though I'm not, I'm coming straight down the middle at you. Uh, number one on my list, Assembly Hall, Indiana University. Uh, keeping it keeping it very much on the Homer profile on this one. Uh, but there's no other place that I enjoy going more um, than Assembly yeah. Hall. Just to, to be able to walk in and feel the energy and the fan base, the, the banners that are up, um, the history. Again, we talk about nostalgia and all that stuff. Even though that they've made upgrades um, and done renovations and things like that, you know, they spent $40 million. I still can't get a cup holder in Assembly Hall. That Can't get a cup holder in there, but uh, you can get a really nice seat. So at least the seats are better. Yeah, uh, they put some they put sweets in, so that's nice. Those are that, that's kind of a nice touch, uh, more a modern feel to an arena that definitely needed some touch ups there. Uh, but again, just kind of knowing the history of that arena, uh, being able to have been there and seen some big games in that place, seeing some good teams play in that gym. Uh, there's just it's it's my favorite place. And nowhere else that I would rather go and watch a basketball game than Assembly Hall in Bloomington. And absolutely, I mean, doesn't it feel like when you're sitting and you look up, it feels like that the seats never stop going yeah. up. Like it feels like the tallest, like I've ever, I've never seen bleachers that just continue to go up like that. But it's amazing, and it feels like everybody is just on top of the court. Even on TV, when you watch, you're like, dude, everyone's like right there. It's it's. It's renovated, but it still feels very old school. Yeah, I've been down, I've been on court level a couple of times, and each time I always take a second just to look up. And it, it all, I mean, the seats, they look like they're almost vertical. Yeah, oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. Walking down has to be a nightmare. Yeah, you don't want to um, miss a step. Otherwise, it's a long way to the bottom. Yeah. Um, what's cool, too, is it's not like, the banners are hanging from the rafters. Them being so prevalent yeah. makes it... I don't, know, I don't know if any other gym has it quite like right. the way that they present it. Um, and I went there a couple weeks ago to watch the practice, and they've done some cool things like adding some statues of the players and things yeah. as you walk in. Um, and I know it's not like brand new stuff, but some of it just looks cool that way. And, yeah. and getting to walk past you know, the statues of the undefeated team and Isaiah and things like that, you kind of get that. It almost preps you to walk in like, all yeah. right, this is a, there's some real history we're walking yeah. into. You know, I, I love Assembly Hall. Um, I, I don't have it as my number one. That's okay. You're forgiven. You're for, to my group. You're forgiven. It's, <laughs> I have to, I have to cross it out and put it at the top, but no, no <laughs> one I have a, a little bit different. And for a reason, my reason is just having coached there. Okay. It is so unique. And that's the gym at Knightstown. Oh, okay. So I have Knightstown because I didn't realize how cool it was going to be until I got there. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the Knightstown gym is the gym from the movie Hoosiers. It is where they filmed the the Hickory games and practices. And it is a complete replica of, I mean, not a replica. I mean, it was where they filmed. Like, they've kept it the same yeah. uh, from what the movie was. And you know, teams get to go play there. Um you know, they, they select some teams to play there each year. Um, and you get to go into that locker room that kind of goes down and just looks very old and it's so yeah. snug and small. Feels like a bunker. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a bomb shelter. Um, but I went there when I was an assistant coach at, at East uh, Eastern uh, in Pekin, Indiana. 
And it was my first year uh, on a coaching staff, and we were scheduled to play Clarksville there. We heard about this, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm like, oh, it's the Hoosiers gym. And I was like, oh, cool. Loving the movie Hoosiers, but still not really understanding. Until you walk in, and you're like, oh, this is the movie. Yeah. And the seats are right there on the court. Yeah. And the gym looks old just like that. And it doesn't look any different. You are transported to the 1950s. (laughs) The locker room is exactly the same. And I believe, if I remember correctly, I think I have a picture of my phone. So I'll share with you. They have a picture of the picket, the, the, excuse me, the picket fence drawn up on their chalkboard down there and it stays there permanently. So I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention yeah. you know, the Hoosiers gym on our podcast. But yes, I believe they have the picket fence drawn up there, but it is so crazy when you're coaching. Yeah, you you kind of have your bench on the baseline there. Right. Um, not on the sideline, but you're still so close. Like you're, even when you're at a regular gym, you're close to the floor, but it doesn't feel that way. Like you feel in the middle. You feel like shooter walking out in the middle of the yeah, game. Yeah, mildly, mildly claustrophobic. Yes, and I couldn't imagine playing in it because you've got to feel like everybody's on top of you. Yeah, but I absolutely love that gym, and I am dying to go back and play there. One because it wasn't the outcome that I would have necessarily liked, but <laughs> there was. Like, I couldn't get over it. Like, I don't remember much about the game itself because I kind of was just taking it in. Yeah. Um, it To watch the teams play there, to see people sitting in those seats, and they're right on top of the floor. The, the wood on the floor looks, you know, so classic, and the locker room is so classic. It's just the most amazing place that I've been in terms of participating in a game. And I really want to go back and I really want to go back and watch some of the games that they have because they have some all-star games there where they have Hickory versus Tier Hune yeah. as the theme and uh, I'm definitely headed to one of those very soon but I have Nice Town number one just because there just couldn't be a, I think a more fun place to be able to play and participate in yeah. the Nice Town Hoosier Gym yeah no I think that's fair that's a good pick right there I got a chance to go up there one time uh, just took a trip on a Saturday and went up just to kind of go see it and be there and, and get some shots yeah. up and it was really cool. It's a neat place, and like you said, when you walk in, it cuts you straight to the movie. Like It takes you right back to 1954, 1955, and you feel like you are walking into the movie Hoosiers, and it's so cool. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, um, I really wish that maybe they did, and again, I know you don't want to like overdo it to where you know, it's not special, but I really wish that maybe they did more there, like hosted some more games just so more people got that experience. Yeah. Um, if you did a couple games a year. Um, if you're not close, it is a haul to get there. But Oh, yeah, it's, it's out of the uh, way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, is not, it is not on your way anywhere. But it's amazing. Um, you know, that's why it's my number one. I think, um, I think we probably need to make a trip there. As a as a picket fence podcast trip, and maybe maybe do something there because yeah, I think yeah, I think it's it's worth our time to, to head up there. But um, I hope that you enjoyed our list. We're gonna we're gonna post uh, our list on our social media page. Follow us on Twitter at picket fence underscore pod on Instagram and Facebook. We want to know the venues that we left off. We want to know if there's a place that you really enjoy going to see high school, college, NBA, um, or just you know your local park that. He's yeah. underrated, man. That that local hoop spot. Yeah, um, we've all got one. 
Corner that we missed, uh, thanks for joining us here. Uh, please like and share. If, if, if you really enjoyed it, we'd love for you to share um, this podcast with somebody. Um, so, you know, I, I, again, please, please feel free to share and, and comment what venues you left off or if you agree or if we missed something about these really special places. Um, and as always on the Picket Fence Podcast, don't, don't get, get caught, caught watching, watching the paint, paint dry. dry.